Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 16, verses 24 to 28, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 24 to 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. In order to see the connection of these verses, we must remember the mistaken impressions of our Lord's disciples as to the purpose of his coming into the world. Like Peter, they could not bear the idea of the crucifixion. They thought that Jesus had come to set up an earthly kingdom. They did not see that he must suffer and die. They dreamed of worldly honors and temporal rewards in their master's service. They did not understand that true Christians, like Christ, must be made perfect through sufferings. Our Lord corrects these misapprehensions in words of peculiar solemnity, which we shall do well to lay up in our hearts. Let us learn in the first place from these verses that men must make up their minds to trouble and self-denial if they follow Christ. Our Lord dispels the fond dreams of his disciples by telling his followers that they must take up the cross. The glorious kingdom they were expecting was not about to be set up immediately. They must make up their minds to persecution and affliction if they intended to be his servants. They must be content to lose their lives if they would have their souls saved. It is good for us all to see this point clearly. We must not conceal from ourselves that true Christianity brings with it a daily cross in this life, while it offers us a crown of glory in the life to come. The flesh must be daily crucified. The devil must be daily resisted. The world must be daily overcome. There is a warfare to be waged and a battle to be fought. All this is the inseparable accompaniment of true religion. Heaven is not to be won without it. Never was there a truer word than the old saying, no cross, no crown. If we never found this out by experience, our souls are in a poor condition. Let us learn in the second place from these verses there is nothing so precious as a man's soul. Our Lord teaches this lesson by asking one of the most solemn questions that the New Testament contains. It is a question so well known 
and so often repeated that people often lose sight of its searching character. But it is a question that ought to sound in our ears like a trumpet whenever we are tempted to neglect our eternal interests. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? There can only be one answer to this question. There is nothing on earth or under the earth that can make amends to us for the loss of our souls. There is nothing that money can buy or man can give to be named in comparison with our souls. The world and all that it contains is temporal. It is all fading, perishing, and passing away. The soul is eternal. That one single word is the key to the whole question. Let it sink down deeply into our hearts. Are we wavering in our religion? Do we fear the cross? Does the way seem too narrow? Let our master's words ring in our ears. What will it profit a man? And let us doubt no more. Let us learn in the last place that the second coming of Christ is the time when his people shall receive their rewards. The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will render to everyone according to his deeds. There is deep wisdom in this saying of our Lord's when viewed in connection with the preceding verses. He knows the heart of a man. He knows how soon we are ready to be cast down, and like Israel of old, to be discouraged by the difficulties of the way. He therefore holds out to us a gracious promise. He reminds us that he has yet to come a second time, as surely as he came the first time. He tells us that this is the time when his disciples shall receive their good things. There will be glory, honor, and reward in abundance one day for all who have served and loved Jesus. But it is to come in the dispensation of the second advent and not of the first. The bitter must come before the sweet, the cross before the crown. The first advent is the dispensation of the crucifixion. The second advent is the dispensation of the kingdom. We must submit to take part with our Lord in his humiliation if we mean ever to share in his glory. And now let us not leave these verses without serious self-inquiry as to the matters which they contain. We have heard of the necessity of taking up the cross and denying ourselves. Have we taken it up, and are we carrying it daily? We have heard of the value of the soul. Do we live as if we believed it? We have heard of Christ's second advent. Do we look forward to it with hope and joy? Happy is that man who can give a satisfactory answer to these questions. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.